You know, the Bible says in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, 2 Chronicles 16, 9 from the New King James Bible, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Not just in one region of Africa or in Asia, but throughout the whole earth. Can you say the whole earth? And it says, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Hallelujah. The NIV puts it this way. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Fully committed to him. Glory to God. God is looking and searching for people across the earth where he can show and manifest his glory, manifest his power. He's looking for people. The Bible makes it very clear that sometimes God is looking for intercessors. He's looking for people who stand in the gap on behalf of nations or stand in the gap on behalf of families that are unsaved or stand in the gap on behalf of neighbors. He's always looking for people. Amen. You know, we see that right through the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's looking for people. This verse is saying he's looking across the earth, looking for someone to use, someone to show himself strong, someone to strengthen or pour out his grace, his divine, uh, uh, divine enablement, someone to manifest his glory through. He's looking for someone. You know, and unlike man, that tends to look on the outward. So we're looking for people. You're looking for people with a certain quality, you know, a certain ability, a certain talent, you know, a certain height. If you're, if you're an airline, you know, you're looking for some air stewardesses and, and you want a certain kind of person and, and you look at their outward, you know, or whatever job it is. Man tends to look on the outward. But God is looking for something different more than the outward. You know, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, For the Lord does not see man as man sees for man looks at the outward but the lord looks at the heart notice he's looking for people to show himself strong for those whose hearts are loyal those whose hearts are fully committed he's looking and he's searching across the earth and he's looking at hearts he's looking at the inward man he's looking for certain traits in the inward man to use god is looking for those whose heart is loyal to him. He's thinking, looking for loyalty. He's looking for those who are fully committed to him. Hallelujah. He's looking for loyal, faithful, devoted hearts. Loyal, faithful, devoted hearts. People who are fully committed to him. How many of you have friends that are loyal? That, that, you know, that they're there no matter what. They're there. You know, even when things are, are, are bad or, or things are not the best or when there's been a distance, if, if they know there's a need, boom, they're there. We have some friends like that in the UK. We may not have spoken for months, but as soon as we connect, boom, we know they're, we're, 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 we're good friends. You know, they're loyal, you know, and they're committed to the relationship. How many of you love relationships that there's no commitment? No, we all want commitment in relationships, especially, it doesn't matter for an acquaintance or a colleague, but when somebody's a friend, you look for commitments. Can I hear a good amen? So what does it mean to be loyal? It's an unswerving allegiance in devotion. An unswerving allegiance or devotion to somebody. 
commitment is loyalty or, and a willingness to give your time and your energy to something you believe in. Glory to God. You know what? All of us have that quality. It may not be towards the Lord, but we have it. For example, you may be into hockey and you are loyal to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Even when they go on a losing trend and for decades they've not won the Stanley Cup. Anytime they're out there on the ice, you're rooting for them. You're believing in them. You're committed to them. So in the morning, you know, you may not have been there to, to watch the game, but you're looking to see what the scores are. You're committed. You're a loyal fan. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're rooting for them to make the playoffs. Or you may be younger and you're loyal to Beyonce. So when she tweets, you look to see what Beyonce has said. Because you are following her. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we are always loyal to something. Some of us are loyal to money. And in fact, God warns and says, you cannot be loyal to God and you cannot be loyal to money. You cannot love God and love money at the same time. You love one or the other. So we're all loyal to something. Amen. But God, we see that he uses ordinary people. There's a whole list of people in the scriptures that are ordinary people that he did extraordinary things to. He used people like Abraham, like Moses, like David in the New Testament, like Peter, like Paul. Ordinary people, did extra, he did extraordinary things. But he was looking for the kind of heart that would be committed to him, fully committed, that would be loyal towards him. That's the kind of heart that is attracted, that attracts God. That trait of heart, of loyalty and full commitment, devotion, faithfulness. So when you look at these people, I believe there are two critical things that are, are important. They were loyal friends of God. They were committed friends of God, faithful friends of God. And they were loyal, faithful, committed servants of God. They were friends and they were also servants. They were friends and they were also servants. You see, being a friend speaks of a willingness to walk in relationship. A, a willingness to walk in intimacy and, and trust. It means you're, you're sharing with someone something that is important to you. You care about the person's interests, about the person's goals, about the person's heart. You share their hearts. It speaks of fellowship. It speaks of companionship. That is what a friend will do, is that willingness to share relationship. Are you with me so far? If you're with me, say amen. Being a servant speaks of a willingness to walk in obedience to someone else. To do what that person wants to do. So when we are, we are, we are servants to God, it's like we are willing to do whatever he says. That is why I've included servant's heart or some, uh, servants. Because a friend is somebody who walks in relationship. A servant is somebody who wants to do what the master says to do. And those are two qualities you see in all the people that God used. And even in our day, the people that God uses mightily, the Charles Finneys and the Smith Wigglesworth and all those folks, they had relationship with God and they had a servant's heart. Say to somebody, it's time to serve. Say it's time to serve. I'm going to show you through the scriptures that this relationship servant thing is critical. And you find it right through. So in, let's look at Abraham, for example. Abraham was a friend of God and Abraham was a servant of God. The Bible says in James chapter 2.23, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And it says, and he was called the friend of God. 
He was called the what? Friend of God. Remember when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He made a statement when he was with Abraham. When the angel of the Lord, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He was with Abraham. He made a statement. He says, can I hide what I'm about to do from Abraham? It's because Abraham was his friend. He didn't want to hide it. So he said, Abraham, this is what's going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. Their sin has risen up to me and it's too much and I'm going to destroy them. Then Abraham put on the mantle of the priest. He began to intercede on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. When God shared his intention, his righteous intention, Abraham began to bargain with God. How about if there are 50 righteous people? Surely you're not going to judge the whole town if there are 50 righteous people. And God said, if there are 50 people, I won't, I won't do anything. He was able to bargain right down to 10. But the point I'm making is that he was a friend of God. God shared his heart with him. He said, can I hide anything from Abraham? He was his friend. The Bible also says that God, you know, when God was speaking to Isaac and reassuring him prophetically in Genesis 26, this is how he described Abraham. The Lord appeared to him, that is Isaac, the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he was called a friend of God and yet he was a servant of God. God called him his servant for my servant Abraham's sake. You see, he had a willingness to do what God said to do. Remember when God challenged him to, to, to sacrifice his son. And he said, your only son, that is born through um, Sarah. And yet he was willing to do that. He said, my servant Abraham. My servant Abraham. We see the same idea and pattern in Moses. Moses was loyal to God and, and, and he was a friend of God. And the Bible says he was also a servant of the Lord. In Exodus 33, 11, this is what the Bible says. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. There was intimacy with God and Moses. So God was able to tell Moses once, you know, these, my people are stiff-necked people. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to start another line through you. And then Moses, because he was a friend of God, began to say, no, 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 no. Lord, if you do this, what are all the Egyptians going to say? He was bargaining with God because there was relationship. There was friendship. Hallelujah. At the same time, he was a servant. You see that in Deuteronomy 34, 5. It says, Moses, it says, so Moses, a servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Notice what it says. Moses, the servant of the Lord. He was a friend and he was a servant. You come to the New Testament, because I know you Bible scholars who say, yeah, that's Old Testament, that's under the law. By the way, Abraham was before the law, amen? But even in the New Testament, we see the same pattern, the same theme of intimacy and obedience, of relationship and service. Jesus was clearly the Son of God. Jesus was the Son of God. He is the Son of God. In fact, if at his baptism, remember, there was, uh, when Jesus came, John was saying, you don't need to be baptized. And he says, no, let's fulfill all righteousness. He gets into the water, the, the Jordan River, and then when he comes up, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came like a dove and settled on him. And then there was a voice that boomed in the heavens that said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. A voice. God himself spoke. The Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove. There was recognition. This is my son. 
And another time when the, on transfiguration, the mountain of transfiguration, when Jesus took James, John, and Peter up to the mountain, and then the Bible says he was transfigured. It became whiter than snow. He was, he was the light sort of emanated from him. And, 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 and the Bible says that he was with Moses and Elijah. And again, a voice sounded and said, This is my beloved son. Hear ye he. And Elijah and, and Moses disappeared. What am I saying? He was the son of God. He is the son of God. He had relationship with God. He had intimacy with God. In fact, Jesus said, everything I do is what the father wants me to do. He was so in communion with the father, spending times of prayer, that he did only what the father wanted him to do. He had relationship, intimacy. And you know what? Jesus was also a servant. Jesus was also a servant. He embraced servanthood. Mark 10, 44 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He said, I came to serve. And he says, and to give his life for a ransom for many. He came with a purpose. To serve to the point of death. To serve to be obedient, even to obedience to the cross. He had a servant's heart. John 6, 38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent, sent me. To do the will of him who sent me. That's what a servant does. A servant does the will of the master. Glory to God. So Jesus was called the son of God. He was also called the servant of God. Acts 3.13, Peter says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. His servant, Jesus. Acts 4.30. Remember when the disciples huddled together to pray after the threatenings. They prayed a powerful prayer. And they said to God, stretch out your hands. Acts 4.30. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Jesus was a servant. Jesus sought to do the master's will. And then you come to us believers in the New Testament. We are obviously children of God. That's a good place to say hallelujah. John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right glory to God. He gave the authority to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. So you and I who believe in him, you are a child of the most high God. Every morning you wake up, you can beat your chest and say, I am the child of the most high God. Because you have the right to be called a child of God. That means you have special privileges with God. Oh, you didn't hear what I just said. You have special connections with God. Everybody wants to be connected to somebody great, you know, the royal family or somebody of power or whatever. You have a connection with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. That is powerful stuff. When we're born again, we came into relationship with God. Think about that. We're now members of God's household, members of his family. Our names are in the palm of his hands. We are the apple of God's eye. We are his beloved, his favorite ones. Hallelujah. That is powerful stuff. Paul taught that, that in Christ Jesus, we have, our friendship with God has been restored. 
Romans 5.10 says this, Since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. Glory to God. Our friendship with God has been restored. Now there's a connection with God. We have access to God. God can be our friend. He wants to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He wants that relationship. It means you and I can nurture. We have opportunity to nurture friendship with God. Nurture intimacy with God. Spend time with him. Find out what he loves, what he hates. Find out what pleases him, what tickles him. Even talk to God. You know God has a sense of humor? Find out about his sense of humor. Glory to God. We have opportunity to love him. To grow in our relationship, our friendship. And you know what? Jesus called his disciples his friends. You know why he called them his friends? Because he made known the will of the Father to them. He shared something precious that came from the Father with them. And notice this in John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants. We're going to get to this in a minute. Okay? I'm not contradicting myself. Praise God. You're going to see something beautiful out of this. It says, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. So you know what? When you begin to search the scriptures and you find out the will of God, the purpose of God through the scriptures, and you begin to seek God for yourself, and he shares his heart, he shares his will with you, you become his friend. You begin to know what God loves and what he hates, what God is all about, what the whole, whole point of, of, of why you are born on this earth. He begins to share his heart and you are his friend. Paul's taught that believers are restored to friendship and we are children of God. He had a great revelation that we are adopted and we are now sons of the most high God. But he also taught that we are called to serve. He taught that we're called to serve. Galatians 5.13 For you, brethren, have been called to liberty or freedom. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You're called to serve. Turn to somebody and say, I'm called to serve. Look at them eyeball to eyeball and say, you are called to serve. Romans 12.10 says this, Be kind, kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Is this a suggestion? It's a command. Serving the Lord. We have to be about our Father's business. Serving the Lord. Just like Jesus was about his Father's business. Serving the Lord.